inside the honeycomb i am your host kelsey aka b thank you so much for coming back this week and joining me for another new podcast episode i hope you guys are having an awesome week so far um i personally just experienced a devastating setback (laughs) earlier today i was talking with a friend about he was making fun of me um for loving Starbucks so much, and, you know, you would lose your mind if Starbucks went out of business, and I was like, no, no, I'd be fine, because I can make pretty much anything I want to make from Starbucks, like my go-to drinks, I know how to make at home, and he suggested I try to make a Frappuccino, so I just tried to do that, added way too much ice, it was, um, decidedly a disaster, but I'm not gonna let it get me down. I wasted a good chunk of uh, some perfectly delicious, yummy cold brew, but it's fine. We're going to move on. We're going to just go ahead and get into this. So, today we are going to be talking about some of my favorite standalone books that are technically what I would consider an easy read. And I've been able to read so many new books in the past few weeks Um, I love how quickly I can go through them now that I have the audiobooks, but I will always love reading real-life paper and ink stories. I won't consider a book to be one of my favorites unless I have a physical copy of it. So today I wanted to share with you four of my favorite easy reads. Uh, There's a deepness to uh, two of them and great concepts to chew on in all, but none of these are part of a series. None of them are highly academic or entrenched with historical or political context. They're books that you can read anytime and anywhere, but uh, you're probably going to eat them up within a week or two, just like I did. And so this is something I just wanted to do while we hold over until the April reading roundup. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to go ahead and um, I'll give these in order of my favorite books. I'm going to read the summary and then I will also give you some of my favorite passages from the books. So let's go ahead and get started. First and foremost, one of my favorite books of all time is Looking for Alaska by John Green. And here's what the summary is. Before, Miles Halter is fascinated by famous last words and tired of his safe life at home. He leaves for Culver Creek boarding school to seek what the dying poet Francois Rabiella it's French, give me a break, called The Great Perhaps. Much awaits Miles at Culver Creek, including clever, including clever, beguiling, and self-destructive Alaska Young, who will pull Miles into her labyrinth and catapult him into The Great Perhaps. After, nothing will ever be the same. Looking for Alaska brilliantly chronicles the indelible impact one life can have on another. A modern classic, the stunning debut marked number one best-selling author John Green's arrival as a groundbreaking new voice in contemporary fiction. So first and foremost on that, I want to say I had no idea. I've read a bunch of John Green books, not all of them, but a lot, and I had no idea that this was his first book. Um, This was, I mean, the first one I read was The Fault in Our Stars, and I think... I don't know if I read Paper Towns before this or if I read, I think I read Looking for Alaska and then Paper Towns, but this one's my favorite and I had no idea that it was his first book 
until I read that summary. And so the one that I got online, um, I think that that's super cool. I loved it so much. You will love it too. Um, <laughs> I read it for the first time when I was 20 and I was like in that melancholy state that all young adults get stuck in a little bit. And I was like, nobody gets me like this book. So I loved it. I'm sure you will too. Um, but let me go ahead and just give you, I'm going to read two passages from it. So that way you kind of have an idea of what it is about and you can see if it might be something that you might want to read. So the first part I want to read, it just makes me laugh. I recently had a friend, um, kind of get on me for, she borrowed a book of mine and she got mad that I had marked it up. And I was like, well, yeah, like, of course I mark it up. It's my book. Like, I want to know what I liked and what I want to be able to go back to, but she kind of razzed me on it. So, um, here is a passage from the beginning of the book. Hold on, I said. I went into Dad's study and found his biography of Francois Raviella. Come on. Oh. Um, I liked reading biographies of writers, even if, as was the case with Monsieur Raviella, I'd never read any of their actual writing. I flipped to the back and found the highlighted quote. Never use a highlighter in my books, my dad had told me a thousand times. But how else, how else are you supposed to find what you're looking for? So this guy, I said, standing in the doorway of the living room. Francois Rabiella, he was this poet. And his last words were, I go to seek a great perhaps. That's why I'm going. So I don't have to wait until I die to start seeking a great perhaps. And that just makes me laugh whenever I read it. I was like flipping through to find my favorite quotes and I saw this and I was like, oh, yes, the highlighter. <laughs> and then it, here is a second part, which I just, I, it's so interesting. This is something that I had actually highlighted the first time I read the book. So uh, definitely one of my favorite passages. No, she said, and I couldn't tell at first whether she was reading my kiss obsessed mind or responding to herself out loud. She turned away from me and softly, maybe to herself, said, Jesus, I'm not going to be one of those people who sits around talking about what they're going to do. I'm just going to do it. Imagining the future is a kind of nostalgia. Huh? I asked. You spend your whole life stuck in the labyrinth thinking about how you'll escape one day and how awesome it will be and imagining the future that keeps you going, but you never do it. You just use the future to escape the present. I love that. How genius is that? Like, don't wait. Do it. Like, don't just talk about what you're going to do. Do the thing. Go do what you want. And, oh, I love it. So this is a story. It's about, I mean, I read the summary, but it's kind of a love story, kind of a coming of age, finding yourself, dealing with tragedy, narrative, and it is really good. So that is my favorite standalone novel. Now, the second book I want to talk about is, again, a favorite. I'm going to say that about all of these because I love them, but I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me and Other Concerns by Mindy Kaling. So here's the summary. Mindy Kaling has lived many lives. The obedient child of immigrant professionals, a timid chubster afraid of her own bike, a Ben Affleck impersonating off-Broadway performer and playwright, and finally a comedy writer and actress prone to starting fights with her friends and co-workers with the sentence, can I just say one last thing about this and then I swear I'll shut up about it? Perhaps you want to know what Mindy thinks makes a great best friend, someone who will fill your prescription in the middle of the night. 
or what makes a guy great, one who is aware of all elderly people in any room at any time and acts accordingly, or what is the perfect amount of fame, so famous you can never get convicted of a murder in a court of law, or how to maintain a term figure. You will not find that information in these pages. If so, you've come to the right book, mostly. In Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me, Mindy invites readers on a tour of her life and her unscientific observations on romance, friendship, and Hollywood with several conveniently placed stopping points for you to run errands and make phone calls. Mindy Kaling really is just a girl next door. Not so much literally anywhere in the continental United States, but definitely if you live in India or Sri Lanka. So this book. I read this book in two days. It's amazing. It's such a quick read, but it's so funny, and there's a lot of really memorable stuff in there. It's a collection of essays, which that's actually kind of one of my favorite types of books. Um, I like reading books by people that I know, or like, act not people I know, but like actresses I've heard of, or writers, or comedians, stuff like that, and they kind of have these memoirs. Those are kind of my favorite type of books. Uh, Mindy Kaling is definitely up there with people that I'm obsessed with. She's hilarious and hardworking and successful. She's open without oversharing or being vulgar, and it's not that there's anything wrong with being vulgar. Uh, come back here in about two weeks to hear my thoughts on Amy Poehler's book, Yes Please. But vulgar people are hilarious and it's amazing, but that's not how I present myself to the general public because I am far too repressed. I have the guilt of an Irish Catholic, even though I'm only one of those things. Um, but anyway, she's basically the type of person I want to be in all areas of my life. And let's go ahead and get reading on some of these. Um, one of the funniest parts in this book is the part about the manic pixie dream girl. And, um, I don't know if you've heard of that phrase before, but it's basically a phrase coined to talk about, you know, the, the ethereal weirdo, the girl who you know, puts, points her finger on a map and moves there and she's crazy and she's, you know, there to pull you out of your skin. But Mindy Kaling says, if she were from real life, people would think she was a homeless woman and would cross the street to avoid her. But she is essential to the male fantasy that even if a guy is boring, he deserves a woman who will find him fascinating and pull him out of himself by forcing him to go skinny dipping in a stranger's pool. And it just makes me laugh so much because you've seen so many movies where, where their girl is like that. You know, 500 Days of Summer, to me, is the basic one. Like, the one that comes to my mind when I think of the manic pixie dream girl. And I'm like, nobody lives like that. People don't live their lives like that. And when she... I don't want to give any spoilers, but it's an old movie. She comes back and she's engaged. I'm like, what? People don't change like that. That's not, that's not how people live their lives. But I digress. That's one of a, a really, like, that's a funny quote that I love from this book. And then another passage I want to read is when she's talking about uh, things that make her cry. And it's, you know, just a list with an explanation underneath each of them. And it says, you know, a Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack album. If I ever get cast in some changeling-type movie where I need to cry instantly because my child was murdered, I will make sure to have Vince... Vince Guaraldi's A Charlie Brown Christmas Album Ready to Go in my trailer. The children's voices and connections to the peanuts from my childhood are just the beginning. I always identified with Peppermint Patty, in case you were wondering. The loud, opinionated man girl who chased around her crush without even fully knowing that she liked him. 
The music is gorgeous, but even the upbeat arrangements are tinged with something sad, like Joni Mitchell's Blue. So, if you like comedians, if you like comedic writers, um, if you're into The Office or The Mindy Project or anything that Mindy Kaling has been in, you'll probably like this because she's basically Kelly Kapoor, but <laughs> but more together. Um, so... I definitely recommend that book. It is such a fast, easy read, but it will keep you really entertained. And side note, I love that Mindy just talks about what she wants to talk about in her book and even on social media. She doesn't share anything she doesn't want to. She just puts out what she wants to put out. And I love that she never told us who the father of her baby is because why is it any of our business? But also, if it's PJ Novak, please DM me. Moving on. Number three, this is a really good one. Um, it is called Plan B, and it's by Pete Wilson. So this one is a little bit more serious, but it's not going to be... I mean, depending on your life experience, it might be kind of harder to wrestle with, but it's not something that is going to make you go deep into yourself and analyze in a crazy amount that's like, something that you really need to commit time to, to wrestle with. It's something that you can read fairly quickly. So the summary is, what do you do when your dreams are shattered? What do you do when your life isn't turning out the way you thought? What do you do when you have to turn to plan B? Pete Wilson reaches beyond the typical Christian response to offer frank understanding, honest encouragement, and real hope for your plan B reality. Drawing on real-life stories from the Bible, David, Joseph, Mary, and Martha, and the present day, he writes to help you. Move past the feelings of crisis, panic, fear, paralysis, and over-control. See God in your circumstances, even when he doesn't seem to be there at all. Make peace with doubt, which can eventually be, or which can actually be an expression of faith. Find hope through the redemptive power of community. Ask the right questions in order to find real, satisfying answers. Explore the relationship between shattered dreams and true spiritual transformation. So like I said, this one is a pretty easy read, but it's going to challenge the way you perceive and approach the setbacks that you're bound to face in everyday life. And there are plenty of scriptures to back Wilson's ideas up, which is very important to me. Um, if you know the way that I do faith, it's very scripture based. I like understanding the history of scripture. I like understanding what, um, like a, what a literal translation of things would be, what's literal, what's metaphorical, you know, what's kind of a figure of speech and kind of what was going on in that time. So he uses scripture to back up his ideas, which is very important to me. I like that a lot. Um, and it is a really, really great book. So let me go ahead and I will read you my favorite passage from Plan B. Fear is limiting. Writer and speaker Erwin McManus once said, Our fears establish the limits of our lives. This is so true, isn't it? If you fear heights, you will tend to stay low. If you fear the outside, you will stay inside. If you fear people, you'll stay alone. If you, feel, if you fear failure, you simply won't try. And when you're under stress, I've observed, this limiting effect is heightened. So when many of us encounter a plan B situation, a head-turning crisis or a sudden loss or a significant disappointment, 
our instinct is to freeze, to become paralyzed. We allow the fear of the unknown to establish the limits of our lives. We can't make decisions. We can't move. We can't grow. This is definitely not God's will for our lives. In fact, it will most certainly keep us from becoming the persons God envisioned when he thought us into existence. So, what do we do? How do we move beyond our hyped-up fear, our worst-case scenarios, our fervent desire to avoid pain by staying inside a comfortable, predictable fence? Because our fears stem from what our brains have learned, the solution has to begin there. So, again, loved it. It, Like I said, it'll really challenge you, and it'll help you kind of realize that everybody goes through these setbacks, everybody goes through hard times, and... You know, I know we hear that all the time, you know, people have it worse or whatever, but it's not about somebody having it worse. It's about feeling less alone and the fact that maybe your life didn't go the direction that you wanted it to or you didn't achieve your dream that you've wanted to achieve since you were a little kid. Something happened, some setback happened that prevented you from getting there and you don't have to face it by yourself. So this book really, really does help with that. And... Last, but certainly not least, my last favorite easy read standalone book, Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. Summary. Before Liz Lemon, before Weekend Update, before Sarah Palin, Tina Fey was just a young girl with a dream. A recurring stress dream that she was being chased through a local airport by her middle school gym teacher. She also had a dream that one day she would be a comedian on TV. She has seen both of these dreams come true. At last, Tina Fey's story can be told, from her youthful days as a vicious nerd to her tour of duty on Saturday Night Live, from her passionately half-hearted pursuit of physical beauty to her life as a mother eating things off the floor, from her one-sided college romance to her nearly fatal honeymoon, from the beginning of this paragraph to this final sentence. Tina Fey Tina reveals all and proves what we've all suspected. You're no one until someone calls you bossy. Includes... Special never-before-solicited opinions on breastfeeding, princesses, Photoshop, the electoral process, and Italian rum cake. <laughs> oh, even that makes me laugh, but let me go ahead and, uh... Well, first, let me, let me talk about the book. Tina Fey is a queen who makes me jealous with her capability to be blunt, honest, and say whatever she feels in all things. However... I would only recommend this book to someone who already loves Tina Fey. Now, that's not to say that it's a bad book or I wouldn't recommend it, but some of the overall narrative kind of falls flat, so it makes it a little bit harder to focus and get through, but there are pieces of gold in every single story. You know, I, I loved this book because I love Tina Fey, but I think if you were to look at it objectively, if you, if you didn't know who she was... I don't think it would be as much of a winner, you know? You know, you would enjoy it, you would find some really funny things and take some really cool lessons away from it, but it wouldn't be something that you would reach for again and again. Um, with that said, though, there are some really, really amazing stories in here, and I'm going to go ahead and read one of them right now. Uh, this book does have profanity in it. Uh, some of the other books do too. I didn't read any profane passages. 
in the other ones, but this one does have swear words in it, so I'm just going to not say them, but I don't want anybody to be surprised if they get these books and they're in there. <laughs> okay, let's get started. The title of this little chapter here is I Don't Care If You Like It, one in a series of love letters to Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler was new to SNL, and we were all crowded into the 17th floor writer's room, waiting for the Wednesday read-through to start. There were always a lot of noisy comedy bits going on in that room. Amy was in the middle of some such nonsense with Seth Meyers across the table, and she did something vulgar as a joke. I can't remember what it was exactly, except it was dirty and loud and unladylike. Jimmy Fallon, who was arguably the star of the show at the time, turned to her and in a faux squeamish voice said, Stop that! It's not cute! I don't like it! Amy dropped what she was doing, went black in the eyes for a second, and wheeled around on him. I don't care if you like it. Jimmy was visibly startled. Amy went right back to enjoying her ridiculous bit. I should make it clear that Jimmy and Amy are very good friends, and there was never any real beef between them. Insert penis joke here. With that exchange, a cosmic shift took place. Amy made it clear that she wasn't there to be cute. She wasn't there to play wives and girlfriends in the boy scene. She was there to do what she wanted, and she did not care if you like it. I was so happy. Weirdly, I remember thinking, my friend is here, my friend is here. Even though things had been going great for me at the show, with Amy there, I felt less alone. I think of this whenever someone says to me, Jerry Lewis says women aren't funny, or Christopher Hitchens says women aren't funny, or Rick Fenderman says women aren't funny. Do you have anything to say to that? Yes. We don't care if you like it. I love that so much. We, like, it's just, I can't tell you how many times someone has said, like, that's not cute, or I don't like when women do this, I don't like when women say that or act this way, and it, it's such a great reminder. We don't care if you like it. We're not here for you to like. We're here to do what we want to do. We're here to, you know, do our job or have fun or talk about something hard. We're here to do what we're supposed to do. And we don't care if you like it or not. So, like I said, I would highly recommend it to someone who is a fan of Tina Fey. If you're not a fan of Tina Fey, um... You might still like it. There's some really awesome pieces in there, so I would definitely consider it. But if you're not already a diehard fan of her, I would definitely go with one of the other books that I've recommended today. So that is it. These are, oh, like I said, these are some of my favorite books. Um, I want to talk about some more of my other recommendations, but... I want to know what your guys' favorite books are. What's your favorite standalone, easy read book that, you know, say you were going to go to a day on the beach or go out to the park, you know, whatever you're going to do. If you want to just take a book with you that you already know what's going to happen and you don't have to focus super hard on it, um, but you still get joy and you still get pleasure out of it, let me know what those are. I've been trying to be um, a lot more active on Instagram, Twitter, it falls by the wayside. I don't really have anything to contribute there, so I don't. <laughs> but uh, Instagram, I am on. I'm there. I'm liking stuff. So head over there. You can either comment if you're listening on SoundCloud what your favorite books are or go over to Instagram. I will be posting. Um, I already posted a picture 
yesterday about today's episode, so you can comment on there, and if I post another one, you can comment on that one. I'll be looking at both, but head over there, let me know what your favorite easy reads are, and if there are any books that you want me to read, or any books that you haven't read and you want me to review, because I would be more than happy to do that. So, that is it. Thank you again so, so much for joining me today. Uh, you could be doing anything. You could be anywhere doing anything with your time listening to anyone in the whole world. So I appreciate you being here with me. Again, I'm at ITH Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and it will also be in the description below, along with the books that I mentioned in today's episode. With that, I hope you have a great day, week, month, year, great life. I hope you have a great everything. Thank you so much for listening and remember to go out there and be the voice of reason in a world full of praises. Bye.